This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman, and welcome to The Loop. So in the middle of this record-breaking, news-heavy May, I had a little bit of a first. Myself and a team here at CBC Edmonton were working on a special holiday show, kind of an hour-long documentary. It's called Music We Love to Hate, and it airs this holiday Monday, May 22nd. And so today, we're going to take a little break from the headlines and talk about music and emotions and give you a sneak peek at this project. Adrian Lamb, my producer, joins me now on The Loop. Hello. How are you? I am excited. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. It has been a big project. It's been months in the making. And I did want to talk about how this started because it was kind of a nugget. I think that began in your brain. Well, I won't take all the credit because let's go back, way back to December. Oh, far along. Yeah. So the story goes that Corey Haberstock uh, and I and a whole bunch of people were digesting the news that Nickelback was going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, of course, the band from Hannah, Alberta. And of course, that led to uh, the Juno discussion and that being a big event for. And then that led Corey down a rabbit hole of Nickelback tunes and other tunes and this concept of music that we love to hate. Not that Corey hates Nickelback. He's <laughs> but a, a lot good of people Alberta do. Boy, but, we should but, say. Yeah, so so he, this began as this little seed and he's like, we should do this. And we should do it from Edmonton because Edmonton is a Juno's and we know music. <laughs> and you know, there was passion there. And I thought, well, there's something there to be had, right? And then we're kicking around these ideas and I'm like, who who could we get to front this? Could to be the lead singer on this little ensemble that we were assembling to tell this story. And you stuck your hand up. <laughs> lead singer is a generous term. <laughs> it's not a singing. Luckily, luckily, I'm not the lead singer. But yeah, no, it tur- I mean, the Junos was a big part of this. Yeah. Obviously, with them in Edmonton in March, there was a lot of talk in the city about music, a huge buzz, because we have an incredible music community here. And I think it's something that a lot of Edmontonians are passionate about. And that idea of music we love to hate... I will say the special, it's not about hate as much as it sounds. It's very positive. We got joyful. We got a lot of fun. Um, But it is a universal idea about music that maybe some people are very negative about or music that universally people love to pile on. Nickelback being a huge example of that. Obviously, we go through way more than that. I think we hit on, um, we do metal music in the show. We hit some tango. We've got some Limp Bizkit. We throw in a little Phil Collins. There's a lot. I want to ask you, though, Adrian, because I don't think I ever got to ask you this during the process. Uh, what music do you love to hate? See, and there was nothing that drove me to, mm. to hate. it. And when you say it's positive... I really believe that I learn more about myself and what I love to love, which is really in the end the message of your entire feature, I think, you know, and why. So I – Dolly Parton. I love Dolly Parton. And at a time of stress like this last month, I have noticed myself playing a whole lot more of the queen of country music, Dolly Parton. What's your go-to? Well, you know, uh, here it comes again. (laughs) You know, I I, I just felt like after digesting all of the heaviness that that people have been living in our province, uh, you know, and and that we've been inundated with, uh, music is that relief. Right. So back to your question. I don't think there is anything that I hate, hate. There are things I will, you know, the kids get in the car and they're putting it on the radio that I'll sort of sit and 
tolerate, yeah. right? But I mean, I think this special taught me more about, you know, the guilty pleasures that we get into. This notion of music anhedonia. Like there are actually people in this world, millions of them, who don't feel anything when music happens. Like their brains don't register anything. And we, you, you found a guy, Bill, yeah. who this is the case for, which blew me away, right? Yeah, I think that's the the kind of the cool part of this is we explore how so many different people relate to music. From going out to White Avenue, um, I just asked a bunch of people point blank what their guilty pleasure music was. And I think my favorite thing was people's reaction was, it's so bad, I love it. Uh, people are willing to own it. <laughs> they described everything as that. And I think that's at the crux of this is that the music we love to hate is actually the music that we kind of love. Uh, we just maybe feel weird about admitting that we love because it goes against what we're told we should be into or, um, you know, it just uh, the communities that we feel that we're a part of. And Bill really struck me for sure. This fellow who just doesn't react to music never has he's taken music lessons he studied it in school and university he danced to music at his wedding but it it doesn't hit him the way that it does others because the way that his brain works and it's fascinating to see that in the context of a culture that is so in love with music and so obsessed and the real moment i think that was really cool to see visceral emotional reactions to music was when um you took the starring role of hype woman and we found ourselves at an iconic edmonton joint uh rosario's pub and pizza the karaoke bar and we went to do karaoke because the true test of music that you love to hate or not is whether you're willing to sing it at the top of your lungs and and how people will react to you. And I was, I won't lie, I wasn't sure what we were going to get going into that night. You know, that was a special night and I will remember it always because we walked into that community. We were embraced. Many of those people, you know, this is their place. This is their, they own it, right? That stage, that platform, that's what, like a foot off the ground about the size of a parking stall. Just in front of the bathrooms. Yeah, just <laughs> next to the dart boards. Like it is a place where they call home, right? They are in the pocket, right? And then the judges were there. And for for me to see all of these performances, all of these people come and do their thing, sing this song, select it, belt it out, right? But the best part for me was when it was over and the reaction from the crowd, the support, right? Like the, you know, the, that was great. I can't, that, well, you pulled that off. Way to go. The, you know, the hug the pats on the back, and then to have you as a karaoke newbie to this community. <laughs> yes. So Claire did it. Because for context, I never grew up doing singing anything. I, my sister is very musically talented. Um, she's got quite the pair of pipes on her. And so she was the musical kid and I was not. If I ever went up in university with friends, usually I'd be doing something a little more screamy or a little more, more rappy. But for the purposes of the special, obviously, I had to sing Nickelback. Well, needless to say, I practice all afternoon. We arrive at the karaoke bar. Turns out it's more than just a, a random night at Rosario's, which, of course, they do karaoke seven days a week. It was a dang competition night. And so people are there strutting their stuff, doing their best. Um, but I will say, experiencing that firsthand, going up, you know, doing a little preamble of, of my apologies, and then starting to sing... There's something about music that really does connect you to other people, regardless of what it is you're singing or where the heck you are, where 
I was throwing the mic back and forth and people were singing and at the end they threw up their phones and had lighters and I it was it was so I can't even describe the feeling the adrenaline by the end of it I was like I want to go again but obviously I I was not going to go again I wasn't going to put them through that but there is that connection and I think that is something that was really fun to be able to include in the special is is that literal moment of connectivity where everyone's jumping together on a song and it could be one of the most malign like hated on songs in potentially the history of Canadian music but everyone got into it and everyone was cheering and supporting and I got such kudos at the end even though I think I missed more than half the notes and so that it really was kind of this fun so in the special you can unfortunately hear me sing you can hear this, this some incredible singers. You can hear so many voices, um, and I do think it is just it's kind of fun. And it also showcases just Edmonton. I think there's this really lovely culture around that pub in Edmonton, uh, and they let us in for the night, and they let me take the mic, and it was just really sweet. I think it was more than sweet. I mean, it was a moment, right? I mean, in life, we look for little moments. And I was capturing that moment on my phone. You did some killer camera work, I will say. And, you know, (laughs) to get some video of you doing this, of you stepping up and living it as a storyteller, wanting to make sure you understood it from both sides of what we're doing, good on you, Claire Bonnyman. Good on you for making that part of this musical journey i know so many people are going to love to take on monday well and i hope i hope they get to join us and and listen in and and that maybe they'll get to experience just a taste of that too when they, they listen can to sing along <laughs> they can sing louder than me hopefully <laughs> over me so you don't have to hear it There is one guest on this radio special who doubled as a historian and therapist. You might be familiar with El Amin Abdel Mahmoud. He's the host of Commotion, CBC's daily pop culture breakdown show. And he used to host the podcast Pop Chat and Party Lines with Rosemary Barton. El Amin is one of my favorite voices in Canadian audio right now. And he also happens to know a heck of a lot about Nickelback. The whole conversation was just so fun, though, of course, it didn't make it all into the final cut. So I want to share it all here. And it starts with a little reminiscing. What's your first memory of Nickelback? I am so glad you asked this question. <laughs> um, my first memory of Nickelback is from the year 2001. Um, so I'd been in this country. I've been in Canada for about a year or so. And you have to imagine with me, I'm someone who moved from Sudan. I didn't really speak English so the radio was my friend. Like radio was one of my first friends that I made. I would sort of listen to um, the local pop station, and that's how I kind of learned to speak English. A lot of it came from the radio for me. And so uh, cut to the fall of 2001, and the radio starts to play aggressively, and I just mean truly aggressively, in ways that are just almost threatening. This song called How You Remind Me by this band called Nickelback. And then they start to play it, and they start to play it more, and they start to play it more and more, and it gets to the point where you cannot turn on the radio in Kingston, Ontario, without hearing How You Remind Me. And I I would say that my first introduction to Nickelback was... Um, against my will, maybe, is the way to put it. Um, perhaps I was held hostage by the ubiquity of how you remind me. That's 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 a gentle way to put it, I would say. And you've become a bit of a, a Nickelback historian in ways. How did they manage to get so big? 
can I just say, I want that on my resume somewhere. The <laughs> idea that I'm a Nickelback historian, that sounds amazing. Consider I'm, it I'm in. I'm all in. Thank you. Um, I would say that the ubiquity of Harry Remind Me was, as, as much as it was sort of the song took over the world, I don't think that was intentional. I don't think they set out to write a song that specifically dominates in the way that that song did. Um, but due to a confluence of factors, um, it became this really big song with this excessively catchy hook. And it became a bit of a signature, right? Um, it became this moment that was definitive for them. It helped Silver Side Up go, I think it went like something like eight times platinum in this country or something. Super wild like that. But then that's by this point, we're getting to their third album. By the time you arrive to the fourth album... They are specifically in the business of re-engineering the success of How You Remind Me. I mean, Chad Kroger has been explicit about trying to sort of recreate how big um, How You Remind Me went. And he did that with Someday, which was, I think, the lead single of the fourth album, The Long Road. So Nickelback uh, specifically were setting out to sort of become this big. There's a there's a great super viral YouTube video where someone sort of overlays How You Remind Me and the big song from Someday, uh, big song from The Long Road, which is Someday. And they both have like the exact same rises and falls. It's almost like someone did like hit song math and recreated it again. And it worked. And and someday was, I, I think, just as big a hit as How You Remind Me. And that video comparing the songs, that was part of this kind of criticism that they entered that turned into this weird Nickelback hatred. How bad did things get? Honestly, the idea with this Nickelback hatred is fascinating to me, but it's become a meme of itself at this point, right? Like, it's like... You know, you say, well, what band do you hate? And then people say Nickelback, but also it's not true because Nickelback still sells super well. Um, if, if you play those songs in a room full of people, people will respond to them. Um, I think there is a cultural uh, thing that we sometimes fall into where we go, oh, the thing that's really popular, that's a thing that I hate. But it's kind of not true in the sense that you're kind of uh, connected to it because of how popular it is or how ubiquitous it is. If you define yourself by hating the Macarena, guess what, buddy? You spent a lot of time listening to the Macarena. And I think the exact <laughs> same sort of dynamic works with Nickelback is because they are so well-known. They are like the most democratic band in the world. And I say that kind of as a compliment, but kind of as an insult. You know what I mean? Like in the yeah. sense that they, they, it's like the widest blanket you can reach is, is, is Nickelback songs. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think they have um, at certain points in their career aimed for that kind of ubiquity and, and they've managed to do it. But some for some people, it irks in the wrong way because they go, are you trying to become the most popular band around? Are you trying to please everybody? And I think we're naturally suspicious of that impulse. Yeah, I mean, Nickelback is one example. There's so many bands out there that people love to kind of jump on. What do you think yeah. that whole Nickelback sucks zeitgeist tells us about why we do or don't hate music? I think we hate the thing that is forced down our throats in a way. And honestly, that I don't think that even happens anymore with like sort of the, the way the music industry has changed now um, with streaming and everything. Um, but there was a period of time, kids, if you're listening, there was a period of time where uh, <laughs> in order for a song to get big, you sort of had to reach across radio and had to reach across the, 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 the music channels. Um, 
uh, younger kids, if you're listening, they used to play these music videos um, on television. It was oh, wild back in the day, back in the back in the good old days. Um, and and I think the idea of something becoming so popular that it takes over and becomes um, this sort of cultural reference for everybody. It gives you an opportunity to respond to that thing and say, well, I hate that thing, too. Um, I would say the hate for Nickelback became a self-sustaining machine in the yeah. sense that it traveled really well on the Internet to just say, oh, I hate Nickelback. Um, but I am not really sure it means anything. Like, I'm not really – it's like kind of like saying you hate air. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> nobody's like – nobody can tell you what they hate about Nickelback. They just are subscribers to this idea that they hate Nickelback. And I think what they mean is I hate the thing that is everywhere right now. And people have that r response to lots of different bands. Like, people get wild about Coldplay and they say, oh, I hate Coldplay. I don't know what that means, buddy. Do you mean that Clocks is a bad song? It's not. It's just universally acknowledged that that song is a jam. You know, do you hate Yellow? What are you talking about? Are you, are you do you hate Viva La Vida? Come yeah. on, dude. Who That's hasn't cried record. to fix you, right? Like Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so it, it just like it becomes a way to define yourself as a countercultural person. And Nickelback, I think, is the Canadian example of that. Given their history, everything that's happened to this group of guys, what do you think Nickelback's legacy will be? Nickelback's legacy. I mean, I don't think we're in the stage of their career where we're talking about their legacy. I hope not anyway. I hope they will put out many more um, both beloved and reviled records by the same people um, before we get to the part where we're talking about their legacy. But I do think they will get kind of frozen in time as this transitional band when we're making the transition from the old modes of media, the old modes of sort of um, the, 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 the idea that there is this sort of dominant pop culture that comes from the top and then we all have to consume it to when we all could make choices about the stuff that we were choosing. I think I think of Nickelback as like a band kind of suspended in between the two of them. Um, and I think they, for, for a lot of people, they kind of symbolize um, the idea of this omniculture that kind of dominated. And now that you can choose whatever you want to listen to on streaming and everybody's tastes look very different and everybody's Spotify, you know, um, list looks very different. Um, you have this memory of a time when, you know, um, uh, basically record labels and the big music industry force specific things down your throat that you maybe didn't want to be subjected to or force you to like the same thing as everybody else. Um, and that's not a very pleasant memory. I think it could have happened with Coldplay. I think it could have happened with um, U2. Um, it just so have happened. It just so happens to have happened with Nickelback. It's the title of the show, so I got to ask the question, is there any music worth hating? Like at all? Like at all. No. I mean, like, okay. I think <sighs> Spoken like a Taylor Swift fan who's been on the other end <laughs> well, of things. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. I don't I, – I think I'm past that period of my life is what I will say. Like I, I, I think there was a period of my life where I defined myself – by the things that I didn't like. And I would say, they, you know, you play a certain artist and I'd be like, no, not this artist, you know? Um, and, and I just don't think it's a very 
elegant way to define yourself anymore. I, I, I think it's kind of reductive. I think you can say, oh, that artist doesn't do a lot for me, you know? Um, but that's not the same thing as hating an artist. So, no, I don't have that. I think you can, like, dislike an artist's politics. Like, that's, you know, I, I guess you can escalate that to hate if you want to. But I'm not sure what function that's going to serve for you. Mm-hmm. Do Ellen, you hate any music? <laughs> do I? Honestly... No, because much like you, I'm used to loving music other people hate. I love Yacht Rock. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> so it's a funny thing, though, right? This idea of guilty pleasures and music. And I don't know, like, there's a weird hatred that happens. And there's a weird feeling inside of you when you're meeting someone new who maybe looks cooler than you are. And they ask you what kind of music you're into. And I always pause. Yeah. I always, I always have to pause. Because you're like, what story about myself am I about to tell right now? Yeah. Like, do I tell them about my metal phase? Do I tell them about when I was 13? Yes, and you do. screamo music? Like, oh you know, God. Jimmy Buffett? You know, it, it's very tied to identity. So, I mean, if I can yeah. ask you, maybe what are some bands that that you own that are part of you, Elamine? Uh, oh, my God. I mean, I specifically sort of came up during this rise of new metal as like the genre that dominated and so there's all these bands that are remembered for being quote-unquote bad that i'm like i have very fond emotional memories to lincoln park i have very emotional fond memories to like limb biscuit and corn do i feel good about it no of course not <laughs> but they are like, like i could i could no more change my history than i can like the course of time right like that's just happens to be where i was as a person um when all these bands were introduced to me i think one of the bands that people like love to hate the most is Creed, you know, the mm. Christian rock band from the early 2000s. Yes. Dude, I love Creed. Like, I I actively listen to Creed now when I am 35 years old because there's, there's a part of me that wants to return to that self that I was during that time. And I would listen to those songs and go, I'm not particularly Christian. I'm not Christian at all. Um, and But there's there's a part of me that wants to revisit those memories and, that, and those moments. And the way to do that is to access that music. And I'm now trying to, like, specifically think about bands that I <laughs> don't like. I'm like, what bands don't I like? Um, Aerosmith has never done anything for me, okay. to be honest with you. I'm not, not, a, not a big Aerosmith guy. Um, I think there was a period of time when you would play Jaded by Aerosmith and I would say, get that out of here. I, I, I'm sick of this song. I, I don't want, you know, I don't want it anymore. And now I just kind of go, you know, uh, this is fine. Um, it will end in three minutes and 35 seconds that I'll move on with my life. Um, so, but I will say like, I am also not very good at hating things. Um, so I, it, which makes me very suspicious of people's hating of things. Like I'm, I'm terrible at hating things. Um, I think it takes too much energy out of you. I think it's a lazy way to define yourself. And I wish that people would stop doing that. So how guilty should we feel about these kind of musical backstories or soundtracks? I got to tell you this. If Nickelback is a part of your musical backstory, first of all, what kind of story are you telling about your life? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, if, if Nickelback is a part of your story. Look at this photograph. I'd look at this photograph as a part of your story. Um, well, that says something. I don't know if it says something good about your story, <laughs> but you should own it and you should celebrate it um, because 
it's fun. It's fun music, and it's delightful. And if you want to listen to This Afternoon by Nickelback, a song about getting high in the afternoon, um, live your life, man. Who am I? To, I'm just a guy on the radio thinking about people hating stuff. I think you should absolutely celebrate the stuff that you like. Um, I It is none of my business. I'm happy for you if you are happy. But if it doesn't make you happy, then you should look into that. And, and you know what? Think about how you got there. Elamine, thank you for both this therapy session and uh, your seminal work on the history of Nickelback. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton. And thank you to Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Chris Martin, and Adrian Lamb, who round out the team on music we love to hate. That show airs Monday, May 22nd at 5 p.m. on CBC Radio across Canada. And you can tune in on CBC Listen to hear it anytime. The Loop theme music is the tune Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you, as always, for listening and subscribing. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, theloop at cbc.ca. Leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show. And you can find us on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.